Welcome to The Point with Mick Rich. I'm here with my good buddy, Carla Sontag. Carla, I've known you for how long now? Forever. Forever. <laughs> long time. I, I can remember. Now, you are the president founder of the Mexico Business Coalition. Correct. And if I remember right, I believe I attended your first event. I think you did. I was there with that, you know, probably what, about 40, 50 people were in the um, room at that time? Yes. Yes. I would think that. It was a it was a tight knit group and it was kind of like us against them. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that was neat. So uh, one of the things that I noticed the first time at that first event, it was a matter of not only was it a business organization, but you started with a prayer and it wasn't a prayer by rote. It was a prayer, a heartfelt prayer. Yes. And then we follow with the pledge. We start God and country and then we get down to business. That's, that's right. I like that <laughs> idea. Down to business. Now, uh, what is your, what's your, or, what's about your organization for our viewers that don't know? Well, you know, it was about 12 years ago and we started it because we saw this progressive wave taking over the state and it was our intent to push back. We're looking for a better business environment, better living quality for all New Mexicans. Good. I'll tell you what, uh, and if I remember right, before the Mexico Business Coalition, you start, you were with the Roofers Association. Yes. And if I remember right, I'm not trying to dig up old wounds here, right? But, but for our, our viewers to understand is that uh, any conservative that stands up for what the, what's right against the, 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 the powers in Santa Fe, they come down hard with a heavy hammer, and I know they, they went after you guys. And that was one of the reasons you said, okay, you're moving away from the Roofers Association and into the New Mexico Business Coalition. Well, actually, I had done all that I could do with the roofers, and we had accomplished a lot. Uh, we pushed back on those things that they were trying to cram down our throats. Right. But I had bigger uh, thoughts for the state, and I thought what we needed was uh, – bigger approach to business in general, and a grassroots operation to bring in the average Joe and Jane into the fold to get involved in making New Mexico a better place. In what, in what you mentioned about the average Joe and Jane, what we're talking about here is the hardworking men and women of our state. Absolutely. And you know, it's interesting because even uh, college students, retirees, they take an interest in our work because if we're creating a better job environment, it benefits everyone. That's right. We can keep the college students here or try to. <laughs> yeah. The retirees can look for lower taxes if business That's is right. doing well. So everybody wins if business is winning in the state. So one of the things that I, when I traveled the state in talking to people, they were frustrated with the, we're at the bottom of every good list in the state. We're, we're at the bottom 10. Right. In one of them, and when I looked at those lists, it has to do with plentiful, good paying jobs, safe communities, and schools that work for our children. And you guys are focused on that first one, plentiful, good paying jobs. Right. And, you know, but that impacts education because we want to keep our students here. That's right. We want to provide jobs for them. And so we have actually branched out a little bit in looking at the quality of education because it's severely lacking in the state. Oh. Uh, and, you know, we need 
you know, that's from right. construction, we need trades. Oh, that's right. And I'm saying, but, but right, but your group is, you're solely focused on the business environment and then pulling up on the two sides. Yeah, absolutely. Is the safe communities and the, in education, just for a view. So here it is on Tuesday morning, I got a call from our superintendent and said, man, they came in and busted the chain, stole the generator. And so the generator is probably two, $3,000. But in the meantime, there's 30 guys and gals standing around mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to do next without electricity till we replace that generator. Right. The impact of crime in our state and on business is huge as well. It is, and that's the reason why we've had to make safety and crime issues a top priority for our organization because if a business isn't safe operating here, they can't. It's just like you found with your business. People can't work if they're not safe and they're, the units that they need to do their job are in place. So uh, then you know, getting back to the business side, in looking at those items, the question that I've noted to you is that it seems to me we have one one philosophy is low taxes, low regulations will stimulate business, mm-hmm. create good paying, plentiful jobs. Then we have th- that other idea philosophy is more regulations, more taxes, so the government can hand out more money to people more regulations such as the minimum wage, such as the the paid leave and all that. I'm not saying those aren't important, but so how do you, when you go to Santa Fe in your meeting with the legislators, they're up there saying, man, you know, Carla, we're, we're, we're right on track with the, the workers is that we're going to do these minimum wages. We're going to enact these regulations, man, it's going to be good. So the so how do you how do you address that? Well, unfortunately, they've got this uh, group think that going on where they're going to follow what they're told to follow. But when I can meet with them one on one and discuss what actually happens with government mandates, we're not against regulation. We're looking for reasonable regulation. So that's right. neither high nor low. It's reasonable to take care of the environment, to take care of the people. We need regulation. When it comes to government mandates, they don't work. They do not work. Because what you'll see in a free enterprise system, look at what happened with Target. Target raised their minimum starting salary. Walmart followed suit. Why? Because Walmart was competing for that same employee. And if they wanted employees, they had to up the ante. Oh, is that what happened? Is that yes, why that happened? Exactly. And that's free enterprise. And it works the same with everybody else. If an employer in New Mexico wants a good employee, they're going to pay. They're going to offer benefits because if they don't, that person is going to go find what they want. They're going to find the pay, find the benefits that they need. And so what we've seen with free enterprise, employers will naturally increase what they're doing. For employees. Right. That's right. And I and I agree with that wholeheartedly. I can remember this was probably 20 years ago. I was in a, a my office business was in a small little uh, office warehouse complex. The guy next to me was replacing uh, windows that had failed. He had a contract. Mm-hmm. 
and he was paying probably 40% less than I was. Well, the economy was slow. We were in a recession and he was able to get plenty of carpenters. And then the economy picked up. He had the work and he came in complaining to me one time and he said, I can't find anybody to come to work for me. And I was paying 40% more than he was. And I was thinking, I think I actually told him this. Maybe you ought to think about paying a living wage if you want employees because you're not paying enough. Right. And we're seeing that workers in New Mexico are going to Denver, Portland, where wages are higher. Mm -hmm. And I don't care whether we raise the minimum wage here. Those workers that are motivated to work are going to go where the wages are higher. Right. And if government would get out of the way and let business operate in a free enterprise setting, it will take care of itself. And we'll find that equilibrium. The employees will find what they need here because we're all competing for good employees. I agree with that 100%, but we need to get that message across. Welcome back. I'm with my good buddy, Carla. Carla, again, good having you here. Uh, we were touched on it a little bit, and that had to do with New Mexico is at the bottom of every list. And I'm saying the bottom 10, you know, the last, the bottom 10. We are worst. on the top of some lists, but they're not good lists. They're we not don't good want to list. be on the top of those. You know what, what amazed me was that New Mexico, Albuquerque, is like in the, the 10 worst for crime. Yes. In El Paso, is it the 10 best for security? That, to me, was just so shocking. But I want to talk about uh, what I mentioned, alluded before, was when I was on the campaign trail, I found New Mexico, New Mexican want plentiful, good-paying jobs right here in New Mexico for their families. Mm -hmm. And one would think that the legislators would enact legislation that's going to be create a good business environment. And I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing that that's going the other direction. We've got a legislative session just uh, after the first of the year. It, I'm hearing the stories, we're going to get this, we're going to get that, mm -hmm. we're going to go here, we're going there. And as an employer, I'm going, how in the world do I survive in that environment, let alone pay a good wage? Right. They don't understand because they've not run a business. They don't understand what it takes to be responsible for signing those paychecks and making sure people get paid. And their philosophy of providing their social welfare is just to take more from business. They think that we're just a bottomless pit of money. They don't understand what it takes and what we have on the line to run our businesses. I'm a business owner. I have been for 30-some right. years. I know what it takes, and that's the reason I fight for business in this state. So we've got to educate them because what they're proposing does not work. It will drive businesses away, and we're going to see a lower standard of living here because we're going to lose more jobs. So are the legislators, are they able to hear them? what you're saying. I, I'm just, I, the question that I'm asking really that I'm, that I, as a business owner, it's one, I've gone to Santa Fe, I've gone to Washington, I've met with our congressional delegation, I've met with 
the folks in Santa Fe, and it's like talking to a wall. Right. Well, I'll tell you what's sad. The people in New Mexico, I think when they serve in the legislature, they do it because they truly believe in the state and they want to make a difference. So they don't understand the fundamentals of running a business and why what we're saying to them is important because we know. And what breaks my heart is when I explain to them what their policies will do and they get this really sad, dejected look, their eyes fall down. And then they'll look back and they'll say, well, Carla, I understand, but I still have to vote for this because I was told to. That's what we need to stop. We need independent thinkers up there that can (laughs) understand what they're doing. You know what? I was in Santa Fe for a bill. This was a number of years ago, and it looked close. And then all of a sudden, uh, and it was to push back on a bill that was going to cost jobs. Right. But it was what the Democratic leadership wanted. And there was one holdout, Democratic holdout. And I watched them work him. Mm-hmm. And number of lead, Democratic leaders in the House walked up to him, had a conversation with him. Then they called him to the back room. Mm-hmm. Got called to the back room. I guess called to the carpet, right? That's oh, yeah. the term, right? You know, yeah. Or as Reagan would say, take him to the back of the woodshed. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, that boat turned. Right. So, uh, and this gets back to what you and I talked about at the beginning is how strong a will you have to have to be willing to buck the system and to believe and stand for what you believe in. Yeah, and it's not easy. So, you know, we see constantly, and the reason I started the Business Coalition is because I did not see another business group that was willing to stand up to those people and say it like it is and not back down. And that's why we started the Business Coalition. I'll compromise with anybody if it makes sense. They can provide new information to me. But if it's just nonsense about we're just going to take a little bit more skin from the business community, <laughs> my answer is no. Yeah, yeah they've already taken down. my hair. I right? know, look at that. You know, what's <laughs> left? <laughs> but, yeah. but again, so if we're, we're, talk, we're going through this and going to the legislature during the session to try to educate them to go over the bills, we keep doing this every year. I've seen this over and over. So do we go out into the communities, meet with these legislators out in their communities, discuss business 101, economics 101? I think we, I hate to say it, but it's that's what I believe we need to do. We do, but I will tell you where they really listen and where the Business Coalition is so effective is because we're a grassroots operation and we bring their constituents to them. Whether physically or in letters, in phone calls, we will have a call to action on a bill that's going to hurt business and within an hour we can have literally hundreds of letters up there opposing that bill. So legislators didn't hear from people too much before. Now they hear from them through us. And it makes a difference because those are their constituents. Those are the people that are going to decide if they stay in office or not. And unfortunately, that's the way that we've got to sometimes get through to them is through the pressure of educating their constituents who will then explain to them, 
how the rubber meets the road. That's that gets to my next question. How do we educate the voter? See, right now, what I see is the voter is being enticed with, uh, and I don't want to use, I, I hate the term government handouts, free money, whatever, but, but what we want to talk about is how do we educate the voter that good paying, plentiful job comes from a, a business friendly environment in our state versus government mandated requirements such as prime example is raising the minimum wage rest. What's happening I see is that corporate restaurants have the where the the resources mm -hmm. to go to like different restaurants that you see you can order right there at the table without talking to a server you right. can pay without a server the only person you see is do you need a refill can i get you something else and and those jobs are gone and what we right. need to do is that the mandates really are an incentive to end employees. It is. They're That's, being replaced with electronics and downsized, and then the employees that stay have to work harder. They have to do more. So we've again, it's an educational process, yes. To the voter, where I think it's effective is for employers we educate employers, we ask the employers to talk to their employees and explain how these uh, government mandates are going to impact that employer, which will in then impact the employee. That's what's going to make the difference. So you have different groups of people, those people that are unemployed and they don't, they don't care right. and they are getting government assistance, they don't have somebody to hear. From. They just want government to exceed what they're doing so that they can get more. We're not going to change their opinion. You know, what I found was across the board is uh, when we talk about this, you know, people getting used to the government handouts, so then they're there and they're just looking to get them back in the as though the working. Mm -hmm. the hardworking members of our state, it takes a huge amount of effort on the state's part to, to push through that. We need, but we also need good paying jobs so they have something to go to. Right. Because right now, if there's no good paying jobs, not, no opportunities out there, they're saying, okay, I'm, I'll go off assistance. But now what? We need those jobs. I want to move on here and we touched about it during the segment is, which this surprised me no end. And I was in Tucson uh, and I had a chance to chat with the guy down there. And I'd mentioned to him, I said, uh, Brian, we're getting an Amazon uh, fulfillment center in Albuquerque. And he goes, yeah, we have one in here in Tucson. And, and then you st we started talking about Amazon. Well, first of all, the, the greatest... A uh, good-paying job that Amazon's got is for Jeff Bezos. Bezos, mm -hmm. right? He's he's doing well. Yes. <laughs> right. And then the other item is that Amazon is being subsidized by the USA with the U.S. Postal Service. Right. They're subsidized. They're killing brick and mortar 
retail shops in our state. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing this over and over. And then, uh, but here was the biggest shock that I had. He said, Mick, Amazon drives down wages. I, you know what I'm saying? How in the world can that be? And he said, it goes like this, is that when companies like mine, he's a solar company, so they're looking for installers for solar mm-hmm. panels. He said, when people come up and say, well, I, you know, that's not quite enough. And they say, well, you can always go to Amazon. And I'm thinking, then we go back to kind of changing, but it kind of not, is that the federal government sets has these prevailing wages. Mm-hmm. And they say, what's the average wage? That's a prevailing wage. That is sets the standard. Well, Amazon is such a big employer that they become set the standard mm, for right. wages, and it's a low wage. Right. So what do, what do we do? Well, there's going to be more competition for workers and for employees because we all, as employers, as business owners, we've got to have our employees, right? They're very right. important to our continuity. So we're going to have to compete to get those employees to come and work for us. And that means paying a fair wage and giving them good benefits. We don't need the government mandating to us that we need to do this. You know what? That's right. And I I agree with that wholeheartedly. This is, I think, what we see going on in our city, in our state, is happening across the country. Yes. That is Amazon is killing our state, killing the country, and that is... Uh, gross receipts tax is one of the biggest incentives for people to buy online. Well, we've taken care of that because now they have to pay gross receipts tax for they online purchases. Yeah. They should be. They will. But, you know, then we paid to have Amazon come here and build that facility, right? We gave them all kinds of incentives to get them here, um, thinking that it would create new jobs. We're not creating economic-based jobs, though. That's the problem in New Mexico, and hey, that's where how it come work. my company didn't get those same incentives? Uh, yeah, that's what we're always arguing. Okay. Give it to in-state com- companies first. Okay. Welcome back. I we I've been meeting with my good buddy Carla Sontag with New Mexico Business Coalition. What we've been talking about is how to create good-paying, plentiful jobs right here in New Mexico. It's about the incentives, the encouragement for employers to hire people, good people, the ones that we have right here in our state. And Carla, this this is gonna kind of jump to the, we're gonna go back to where I started in my monologue and it had to do with what I've mentioned before, is that your organization, I was, imp- was touched by, that you start with a heartfelt prayer. Mm-hmm. And then it's the pledge, and then it's into business. And what I've seen happen in our state and across the country is that we have the folks over here that what I call the social conservatives, the Christian, the staunch, heartfelt Christians, and and I consider myself one. And then at the same time, we have the libertarians, the the really the business focused. I I consider myself one of them as well. (laughs) I'm not sure where I'm getting torn between the two. But again, what I noticed is that you as a strong Christian woman 
believes in the sanctity of life, mm -hmm. but you're leading up an organization that's saying, man, we're going to lead, I'm leading with uh, business. I'm going to lead with good paying jobs to support families right here. You've been able to bring those two factions together. I don't see that our state's been able to do that. Republicans, you know, haven't been able to do that. I see it on a national level. We see where in a couple critical states, the libertarians peeled off enough votes. Mm -hmm. Just like what the Greens did back, uh, I can't remember who ran for office, where the Greens pulled off enough votes where I think George, w, uh, George uh, H won. Mm-hmm. Right, and so these are the things that we're seeing. Right. Uh, so, how do you see a bringing the conservatives together under one big tent? Well, we've been doing that since the beginning. We're nonpartisan, and we actually have a really good following of Democrats, Libertarians, Decline to State, Republicans. There are people that see the common sense of what we're talking about, and so they do come together. Um, as a Christian, I put God first, and you know, if you really want a good guide for how to run a business, look to the Bible. Yeah. And so we uh, try to find those issues, whether you believe in the Bible or not, but those good business principles that we can all come together and agree on. So we leave out the issues that are very divisive and move to those business issues, because if we can agree on that, there is a lot that we can do together. You know, when I, 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 amen, right? <laughs> amen. But yes. what we're, what you're, what I hear you talking about is that, you know, we, conservatives, Republicans, you know, we have this basic core principle of, it's about low taxes. It's about low reg, you know, decreased regulations, decreased taxes. It's about more freedom. And when we talk about freedom, it's the freedom of speech. It's the freedom to practice religion. It is these basics that right. the, the core values of what started our country. And, and what I see about is that there's a lot of divisive things out there that we can get into the weeds to separate us. Right. And when we do that, we're lost. Right. And we have to be very careful about how we communicate, too, because when we talk about low regulation, a lot of people like environmentalists, they don't understand that. They think that we want to get rid of anything that's going to control our clean air, clean water. Oh, clean. that's right. So I... we need to make sure that we're communicating in a way that resonates with people. And that is something we've spent a lot of time on. We've got to get out of those key terms that everybody likes to use as a conservative and talk common sense with people about what makes sense. And again, so we go back to reasonable regulation. How can we assure that we have clean air, clean water, clean land, and yet allow business to continue, oil and gas to continue drilling and creating these wonderful, good paying jobs that we have? That's the conversation that we need to have. It has to be real to them. And you have to talk to their heart about how can they feed their family? How can oh. they get in these good paying jobs? So this, this reminds me of a uh, situation that happened in my company a number of years ago. Uh, we had an empl a new employee 
and he'd been with us for just a couple months. And we have a uh, paid leave policy, and you can use your leave for, you know, so many reasons. So he had had some medical issues, and he had he had hadn't accrued enough time. And our payroll person came up to me and said, Mick, you know, so and so doesn't have enough time to cover this these out these days that he's off. I said, I'm not going to worry about it. Mm-hmm. So he worked for us, and then he got healthy, got better within a couple months, and he quit. And he quit with owing personal time. Mm-hmm. And my, my payroll person came up to me and said, Mick, we need to institute new procedures so this doesn't happen. And I said, I am not going to change the way I've done business for 20 years because one person has taken advantage for a couple days. We need to look at this as we shouldn't put the whole hammer down on everybody because there's a couple couple people that have got stepped over the line. We need to hold them accountable, mm-hmm. but not take the freedom away from everybody else, right. which I see is happening in our state. And, and I agree with you when we talk about uh, when we talk about burdensome regulations, burdensome regulations are the ones that that really penalize the, the the companies, the individuals, the ranchers, the farmers right. that are trying to put food on the, our tables, that are creating good paying jobs for our families. And that's the reason why business owners and employers need to be having these conversations with their employees because you spend so much time together you know, it's like a second family with your employees. You need to talk to them about what's important and what you're trying to do for them and how these new uh, regulations are going to impact your business and your ability to help them, which impacts their ability to feed their family. When you make it real for them and put it in terms that resonate with them, then we have a better conversation. We have more people working together because then you see the light bulbs come on and they're like, oh, oh right. I oh, get it. right. Yeah, that, oh. Because <laughs> right. that could be impacting me. Yeah, let's talk about this. And that's what we need to do. I, I agree with that 100%. It, it was, I, I believe it was here in, in Albuquerque and they were looking to approve, uh, push the family leave, the... Mm-hmm personal time. I can't remember all the parameters, but the conversations that we had in our office, in our company, trying to figure out with, with our, our staff, does this, how is this bill going to action negatively impact them? Mm-hmm. And how does this all going to work? And it became really, so here I am, going over these policies with individuals and and they're starting to realize if I'm having a hard time explaining it to them, and here it is, I have an engineering degree, you know, they can understand how difficult these bills are. That it's chasing employers out, it's decreasing the work, you know, good paying jobs, all of those things. So But to get back to uniting Republicans, and one of the things I thought was just very remarkable to me was 
read an article, I can't remember what, where it was, but it talked about how was it that the Republicans in Wisconsin could win in a Democratic state. And the, and we, it was uh, Rias Previs was the chairman of Wisconsin Republican Party. Mm -hmm. And he reached across what we're talking about, reached across and bring people together and unite them right. as a united Republican Party. And they're able to be successful. Right. And his message, though, was getting to people to understand how it impacted them. We can't be talking policy to people that aren't impacted by the policy that they're aware of. You need to bring up their awareness level about how it's impacting. And he was very good at that, communicating with everybody across the board. And that's what united them. And that's how they were able to win in Wisconsin. I look at New Mexico and I, and, and I say, how do we go from the bottom 10 to the top 10 in 10 years? And the way we're going to do it is to educate the people out in New Mexico what creates good paying jobs. Carla, great to have you here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is Mick Rich to the point. Thank you.